You're listening to the Bags and Platt Podcast. Welcome to the Bags and Platt Podcast. Bags, it might be the last show of the year. Is that possible? Are we going to have a holiday special next week? I think we might be able to pull it off, Platt. We'll have some downtime on our hands. Gonna be, gonna, it's going to be a lot of sports going on. we got a lot to cover. So I think we could try to make it happen without our fantastic producer, Roy. We could find a way, especially when there's going to be a foot of snow on the ground. So you never know, Platt. I have faith in you guys. Thank you, Roy. Although I am, I'm actually going to be up in your area um, right around Christmas time. Where are you going to be? I'm going to be up um, in Monroe Township, New Brunswick area. Is that near you guys? Uh, it's not that far. We could maybe live show. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, I'm, I'm traveling up there for the holidays, so I'll be able to hopefully see some snow because down in Charlotte, I don't get any. Oh, you'll see some. We're we're getting what, what are they calling for? Like twelve to eighteen inches tonight. Yes. So we we got some good weather coming, Roy. So we'll definitely get a show next week. Either way, bags, lots going on in the sports world, my friend. The uh, Giants, the Giants, come crashing back to earth this weekend. What happened? They did. Well, here you go. All of a sudden, everyone hops on the blue bus, and I'm one of them. And I will say. I didn't really feel that good with Jones trying to come back, but you can't really not try to start your starter when you really need a win in a big game at home. You're an underdog. You know, Platt, they put themselves in a, in a they put themselves in a big hole early on, but fought out of it with the goal line stance. So then I thought, okay, you know, maybe 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 it is uh maybe it is our year right now coming going for the fifth straight win but they just didn't get ever control of the game or control of the field position and every time Arizona kind of got the ball it was around midfield and if they didn't get their first down Giants would start in their own end it was kind of like until the second half where they had that really good drive they were never in sync on offense I don't want to say there was a ton of drops or anything they just and I will give Arizona credit they played a good game uh, didn't really go off on us. It wasn't like a really bad, bad performance. They just couldn't gel on offense. They never got into a flow plat. Um, they relied on their defense too much. Where in Seattle, the defense pretty much won the game. So that's a lot to ask for the defense two weeks in a row to hold a hold a team to fourteen and then hold the team to 20 and not get any points. I think they scored 21 points in two games. You can't win the NFL, especially after watching Monday night. You just can't win in the NFL if you can't score, which is, you know, I'm stating the obvious. But right now, Platt, they're in bad shape. Cleveland and Baltimore put up 42 each, and those are our next two games. So I'm saying good riddance unless the Giants can absolutely play an amazing game on Monday night because uh, – Cleveland is looking really good, by the way. And, so you're off. Look, you're off the big blue bus already. Is that what's happening? I, t- I just hopped off. I'm, I'm getting. I'm getting on the. Uh, I'm getting on a 47A. I'm heading into the city to go watch the tree. I was going to say <laughs> you're getting off a of Ginny Drive. I can't believe it. I'm there shocked. You go. I'm shocked. Well, so, I mean, wait, well, well I'll just say one more thing before I give it back to you. And the funny thing is, is that everything happened in in the worst case scenario redskins um or dallas won 
and Philly won. So it's just the funniest NFC East of all time. So go ahead. And it's changing week to week. But we talked last week. I, wa- I wanted to get your point of view on this. We talked last week about Daniel Jones. Should he play? Should he not play? If he's not 100% healthy, is he still the same quarterback? And from what I saw, he was very hesitant, understandably so, to run. So you made him a pocket passer. And I'm not saying he lost the game for you, but it, it's just that old adage. Like, if the guy's not 100%, should he be playing? Especially with someone like Daniel Jones, who, you know, his legs are a great asset for him. And he takes off and runs a lot. And he seemed somewhat crippled in that game to want to take off and run. Understandably so. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just if you rely on your legs heavily, Platt, like Jones does. Could you imagine? And it's not only the the body; it's the it's the mentality. Like you know, he's not going to be confident getting out of that pocket. And they kept him pretty pretty much in check. But he's been getting a lot of yards on the ground this year. He didn't rush for many yards at all, Platt. And to tell you the truth, part of his game is rolling out and taking the extra five or six yards. And you could tell he didn't want to do that. It was almost like he was caged up, Platt. And I, I got to be honest. You don't know what McCoy would have done, but to put a guy out there that relies on his legs and not have your hamstring 100%, it's just it's not going to go well with with your with with your mentality about running. You're going to be hesitant. You can't play in the NFL at quarterback and be hesitant to run. So it really worked against him. Um, I hope he gets better this week, but I don't see. I just don't see it happening. Winning two out of three of these next three games. I don't disagree with you, but we talked last week about how these, you know, you don't play these games on paper and you look at the matchups and you say there's no shot this team's going to beat that team, vice versa. So I agree. On paper, it's a long shot right now. But the NFC East, as you said, you got a new leader in the division now. The Washington Redskins are in first place. They played a great defensive game. They're, you know, Alex Smith got hurt again. Dwayne Haskins is definitely not going to be the answer. If Smith is going to have any kind of serious injury here, which I think they said he's going to be okay, Washington could be in a whole lot of trouble. And then the division's wide open again because I got to tell you, Philly with Jalen Hurt seem re-energized this week and they beat a good I'm not going to say a great New Orleans Saints team I know Drew Brees isn't playing but they beat a good New Orleans Saints team this week that was an impressive win for them and I'm still the Cowgirls to me are done like I I don't I know they have a relatively easy schedule the remainder of the way It, it comes down to the Eagles the Redskins and the Giants here and obviously the Giants have the hardest schedule followed by Washington and then the Eagles have the third hardest schedule but you know, they're pulling up their rear right now. It's going to be interesting to watch how this division unfolds the next few weeks. And you got the Browns and Ravens, like you said, coming up back to back. And and the, both those teams are fighting for playoff position right now. So these are important games. It's not like either one of those teams is going to mail this game in. And you got to make you got to also realize that the Cowboys and the Giants play the last week of the season. The Redskins and Eagles play the last week of the season. What does that mean? That means one win for both for two out of those four teams. So if one of the, if the Cowboys somehow at home can beat the Niners this week, the Niners are given three. I mean, they're coming off a win. You just never know. But the Eagles starting hurts. I, I think I think that's a great move for them because Wentz was really just pulling that team down. Now they're energized by this new kid. He's a second round pick, so you you definitely want to get, you know, get get to see what he can do because in the off season. 
if you want to trade Wentz because you think Hurts can do the job, Wentz costs a lot of money to trade. But I will say, I think Hurts is the right move for them. Um, with the Cowboys, you just you just never know with them. But you know the Niners are favored on on the road in Dallas, and with the <laughs> the Giants' lines actually low. The Browns are only given four, so they actually think the Giants do have a shot there. Washington at home is getting five and a half from Seattle. If Washington loses and the Giants somehow pull off a miracle, then they're both back and first to, together again. So it's just it, it's getting real crazy out there. Uh, I don't think we even have time to talk about the Jets today. We're not. We'll mention. I will mention. <laughs> they. Um, I, I just. You just can't say enough of how bad that organization looks right now. And the only, only thing that's going to be a positive for them is if they get Trevor Lawrence and go 0-16. It's really sad, but it, it, I don't know how the, that locker room can even go out there. The only thing I can probably say that as motivation for them in the locker room is to not go 0-16 because the teams that did go 0-16, I believe the Lions went 0-16. I believe the Browns have been 0-16. You get labeled like for life. I've, you've seen plenty of teams go 1-15, but 0-16, you never forget that. And these poor Jet fans will have one more thing on their resume plat that they're ashamed of. It's a brutal resume. And, and speaking of, of the games this week, like I'm looking at week 14. I know you and I do our picks. There's not a lot of good games this week. There are a lot of important games to to teams, but... Looking at the spreads, like you mentioned the Cowboys game, I think that's the lowest spread game I've seen. Every other game, the spreads yes. are pretty high. And yeah, the Chiefs are playing the Saints, and that should be a good game. But like for, for Dallas Niners, I mean, it's not 1991. So having that, that is the closest spread game of the week, not a good thing for the NFL. I realize you can't control the situation, but the spreads that you sent over to me, eight and a half, five, 17, seven, eight and a half, Four and a half, five and a half, eleven and a half. Like, I can't imagine the NFL is too happy with the slate of games that are coming up this weekend. Yeah, and Platt, Chiefs Saints might be the probably the best game. And I gotta tell you, when Miami was up ten nothing last week, the Dolphins, I said, ah, oh, that that might be a great game now. And wouldn't you know it, Kansas City ends up just in a rout. It's like they can do no wrong, Platt. I don't even know how they lost to the Raiders. The Raiders had a great night that night, but I don't see anybody beating this Chiefs team. Did you did you watch that comeback? It was they don't. By the way, there's no panic on that team. No, and that quarterback is amazing, and they got Kelsey. I think leads the NFL in receptions as a tight end. They do not panic at all. They are so well coached. I don't see anyone beating them, especially not Pittsburgh coming off two losses. I mean, how can you get down 10 nothing on the road? And it's like, it's nothing, Platt. They, they beat them they, up. They just, they're in that position right now where they're so good and they know it. They can just turn it on. It reminds me of like when you used to watch the Golden State Warriors or a team that was just so good. They cruised through the regular season. And then the real team, like when, when LeBron was in Miami, they, they show up come playoff time. And I feel like that's what's going to happen with Kansas City come playoff time. Because that was the thing. Mahomes threw what, like three or four picks the other day. He doesn't give a shit. He just keeps throwing the ball. And not many quarterbacks would do that. 
there's just so much talent on that team offensively. Their defense is still a little bit of a liability, but outside of maybe the Bills, I don't even think the Steelers match up with the Chiefs right now. I mean, they might have got hot too early in the season, Pittsburgh, but that that AFC, I don't know who can give, in the NFL for that matter, but in the AFC alone, I don't know who stays with the, the Chiefs, if it's the Ravens, if they're playing a great game, if, the, you know, the Browns, I don't, I don't know. It's going to be tough. That's actually... A good point you brought up the Ravens, but they have to play like a perfect game against the Chiefs. You have to. You have Lamar Jackson has to play out of this world like he did the other night. There was 20 points in the last two minutes. I maybe the old school football fan did enjoy that game. I thought it was the most entertaining game I've watched in years. It was back and forth. It was on a Monday night. It was awesome. I, I just I really really enjoyed that game. Two quarterbacks going at it. Uh, Mayfield, by the way throwing darts he, I mean he was passes when he had to it was just a great game and I've, I've always said to you about Jackson I'm not a big fan of him uh, coming back and being a pocket passer but I've labeled him this whole year of all of our shows as dangerous and that night he was dangerous I, I agree with you and on the Baker Mayfield point just to close that out he has picked up his game so much since Odell Beckham Jr. got hurt. He's had such a bounce back year now. And and I've read articles where they said that, like, you know, he doesn't have to deal with throwing Beckham the ball. He doesn't have to deal with Beckham in his ear, asking why he's not getting targeted more for passes. Maybe it took a lot off of Baker's shoulders to not have OBJ playing. So it happens a lot of times with some of these uh, high-profile divas like an Antonio Brown or a Jeremy Shockey. Sometimes they're a cancer in, in, on the field. And other players don't really like playing with them. Quarterbacks getting, you know, like bullshit uh, about, about getting targets and about getting the ball. So anyway, we got something special for you today on the Bags and Platt podcast. One of my old friends from college named Bubba Britton is joining us. Today. How you doing today, Bubba? I'm doing great, Bags. What's going on in your world, my friend? Well, I'll tell you, Bubba. Platt is my uh, friend since we were five years old, 40 relationship, and there's one thing that we don't like. We got a storm coming. We're getting 12 to 18 inches of snow. I know you're down there in God's country, but we're about to get hit really hard with a storm. But we are excited to have you on and talk some Clemson football. Well, I'm. I, I like that lead-in much better. When I came on and I heard y'all talking about Jeremy Shockey and a cancer, I was like, "Please tell me this isn't the way he's going to intro me." <laughs> Listen, I tell you how I'm going to intro to you. I can't well, wait for our our audience to hear. First of all, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate a few minutes. I know you're busy down there. Bubba works for the university as well, and he's been going to Clemson games since he was in diapers. But there's one legendary story before we analyze the ACC championship that I would like Bubba to share. For most of you that don't know, unless you live in uh, uh, Peru, the most exciting 25 seconds college football when Clemson players rub the rock, Howard's Rock from Death Valley, California, and they run down the hill, and it's the most exciting 25 seconds in college football. So if you know it, I'd like Bubba to share his story, and Bubba, the floor is yours, pal. Well, well, thank you, Bags. Thanks, Platt. Well, the story that, uh, that Bags uh, is, is speaking of, uh, as 
as mentioned, running the running of the rock and running down the hill at Clemson is considered the most uh, exciting 25 seconds of college football. And college football being so much about pageantry and tradition, uh, the, the, the rest of the story is, as Frank Howard told his players, if you're not going to give 110%, then keep your filthy hands off my rock. Well, um, it, for those of you who may see the movie Safety, uh, the story of uh, Ray Ray McElrath, you'll hear some more about The Rock. But I, I'll just say my brother had been an equipment manager. He had he had graduated. And keep in mind, this was in the fall of 1992. And as Clemson celebrates another great signing day, which took place today, um, yes. uh, it, it's going to shock you, but I was not being recruited by Clemson or any other schools, despite my arguing that I was at least the best backup tight end in the state of South Carolina during that year. <laughs> sure. so, so, so having my brother having been a, an equipment manager who graduated the spring before this fall, we had helmets and jerseys and pants and you name it. So I called my shot at the beginning of the year that I was going to run down the hill uh, and, in, and, and take in something I had only dreamed of my entire life. So I, um, uh, before our homecoming game against Duke, I, uh, put on, I took my pads home from my Friday night game, went up to Clemson about an hour before game time at my parents' tailgate. I suited up. I went and I hid behind a suburban part right behind the hill. And for those of you who've seen it on television, the locker room is actually on the other side of the stadium and the team rides a bus around to the hill. And so as those buses came to the top of the hill, I just mixed in between the two buses. Didn't time it so well, or either I timed it perfectly as I was right at the begin, right at the front of the line, hand on the rock. The band comes; they're playing the Orange Bowl march. The cannon goes off with them playing Tiger Rag, and down the hill I came in front of eighty-five thousand of our closest friends. I get to the <laughs> sideline, and the one thing I hadn't thought about: flat bags. You got to always have an exit strategy, and I did not have one. And uh, so I'm standing there for a few minutes and uh, all of a sudden this uh this uh, um, uh this trainer who'd been with the team for 40 years starts yelling at me who are you what the hell are you doing and grab me and jerk it on my jersey and i look beside me and all of the players so this is you know 1992 you didn't have a bunch of double numbers and stuff like you do now and i was wearing number 31 as was a five foot nine african-american wearing number 31 who happened to be our star running back Derek Witherspoon, who would go on to play about eight seasons for the Eagles, and I sure. am a six-three white guy, skinny white guy, who um, you know looks like uh, looks like he didn't get. There's a reason why he didn't get recruited, and uh, so um, while he's yelling at me, a strength training coach who looked like Mark McGuire walks up and he goes, "Doc, I got this," and he puts his arm around me. And at this moment, I had a good feeling I was going to die, and he said. Uh, he said, boy, what did you think you were doing? And I said, man, I just want to run down the hill. And uh, he started laughing at that moment. I knew it was going to be okay. He said, look, I'm going to signal that security guard down at the locker room to let you through. He said, now you take you and your coconut and get the out of here. And uh, because my parents knew there was a good chance I might end up in uh, in uh, the, 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 uh, the, the confines of the Clemson's finest uh uh, jail uh, cell that uh, he was down there taking pictures and, and there just in case and so that became my uh, Christmas card for the year so uh, it was an experience like none other and uh, it, it led me to making a lot of friendships as I got to talk with people like you Mag. I love it Bubba it's a pleasure to know you but I gotta say Platt also there was a country song 
that was written and sent after uh, over what Bubba did. It captured his moment. Uh, Platt, would you like to comment? You've seen it on ESPN. How crazy is that story? Awesome. That's a great hey, story. I, go ahead, Platt. I'm sorry. I broke up a little bit. I hope you guys can hear me okay. Yeah, yeah no, we... We got you. I think Bags went out for a hot second there, but we got you. That is a phenomenal story. And so my question to you is, are you the only person who's ever run down with the team that wasn't a team member? So I'm sure that they've had like some folks, um, uh, you know, that are are family members and things like that. But I I would have to say I'm the only one who – who absolutely was not supposed to or did not have uh, authority or, uh, or uh, permission to do so. But, of course, I, I can tell you, Platt, if you've been friends with Bag since you were five, I'm sure you're similar. Sometimes you just got to ask for, for forgiveness rather than asking for permission. I love it. That's <laughs> such a great story. <laughs> and, it's, and it was a success. Bubba, uh, one last on the on the run. Has ESPN or anybody ever approached you to re- I mean, we have game day on our campus pretty often. Has anybody ever approached you and, and said, hey, we'd like you to come on and talk about it? Because it, obviously, you know, I know about it, but my, most of our friends do. But, I mean, it would be great to have it as a national story, even though I'm a little biased of you and the, and the, and the team. Has anybody well, ever approached you? I- I will tell you, it, it comes up every so often, kind of like you mentioned, there's that country song. Uh, someone, had, uh, you know, with, with COVID uh, season, you know, we had a, a few weeks without football, and one of the guys who writes for TigerNet, um, which is one of our, our local uh, websites that follows Clemson football, who um, did a story on it. Um, and like that, every few years, it'll kind of bubble back up. Um, and uh, that's where I don't even know the guy who wrote, like, the country song and He's, he's always promoting it on Spotify to try to get some uh, some people to play it. But uh, but I will tell you that um, I've got some friends who work for ESPN. Um, I actually did an ESPN reality show back in 2002, and uh, we never really talked about the, um, the the run, but but absolutely would love for that thing to gain some, some traction, uh, especially with something like game day. But uh, the only thing that I will say that I think the funniest media part is my brother who, after five years of being an equipment manager and having to be at every game, home and away, and every practice, he went a full season without going to games. And we didn't have cell phones and the internet back then, so he didn't. He knew I was going to try to do it, but he didn't know it was going to happen. He's dating a girl in Columbia, South Carolina. He picks up the state newspaper, and the front page has an article that says they didn't have a name yet. Number thirty-one is an unlisted number for the Tigers. An unidentified man <laughs> snuck in and ran down the hill with the team. To which point he starts screaming and yelling that, hey, he did it, he did it. But the crazy thing is it was almost 24 hours later. So uh, a different world back then. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, Bubba. I was telling Platt the other day, I was giving a summary of uh, our relationship and how we've been going to games forever. Uh, I told him, I said, I bet you Bubba's probably going to the Nash, uh, for, to the ACC championship. Am I right about that? You are going to be very disappointed at this moment. At this moment, oh. this could change at any moment. Um, okay. I, I have bowed. I, I have bowed out. Also, being friends with you for many years, I can tell you, I don't think the state of North Carolina wants people like me to be there because, I mean, there, they, you know, there, there's no <laughs> alcohol sales after nine, and you can't be out after ten, or you, you know, they, it's a, uh, I mean, it's a, uh, it's California light down there, and uh, 
So I, I don't know what the drinking thing is, but man, that's that's kind of crazy. That doesn't work for us, Bubba. I'll tell you what. No, um, thank goodness. I, I, thank t- goodness the game's not a seven o'clock kicker. They'd have to end the game at halftime. <laughs> I'll tell you what I was telling Platt as well we've won six straight there six straight ACC championships I consider Charlotte um, like a, a home away from home we're really comfortable in that stadium obviously it's a pleasure that we get to play at a neutral site which is about 90 minutes from campus um, I saw the spreads 10 and a half Bubba I was telling my father the other day how confident I am we got some defensive players back I think Trevor Lawrence wants to go out in a on on the on the on the high top, a lot of seniors or uh, potentially there's nine seniors that can get their fifth ring in a row, one for the thumb as they call it. What are your thoughts about this week's game? And give us a little analysis. What do you think is going to happen? Well, hey, I'm so excited for you to give me a chance to talk about it. You know, as you mentioned, I work for the university, but I'm certainly not on the football. Um, staff or, or even in the athletic staff. I'm in the alumni association, but as you mentioned, I have followed Clemson football since I was in diapers. And to your point, I, I, I absolutely uh, agree that Charlotte's become a home away from home, although you know, with only um, 5,024 fans, that really takes away some of the edge that we would normally have. And one of those years, you know, we were down in, in um, Orlando because of the uh, bathroom bill that North Carolina had that, that, that stopped all events taking place there. Uh, if you remember that, but uh, I, I believe we're in a championship phase. I know uh, now this time of year, once you get to the end of November, those who watch Clemson, uh, especially in, in y'all's market up north, y'all probably always think of Clemson wearing all orange or at least the orange pants. Well, those are part of the championship phase, which comes with an opportunity to win a uh, division championship, the state championship against our rival South Carolina, which unfortunately won't happen, the ACC championship, and then, of course, in the playoffs. So this is uh, – Coach Sweeney is just magical in the way that he motivates with this championship phase. And just as you mentioned, um, you know, we're going for a six-straight ACC title. No Power 5 team has ever won six straight. But with that, I think you hit on something that so many people who don't follow uh, college football close enough don't realize is, is, yeah, we didn't have Trevor Lawrence, but more importantly, we didn't have James Skalski. We didn't have – uh, Tyler Watts, uh, Tyler Davis. I'm I'm sorry, and we didn't have um, Mike Jones, Jones Jr. in that. Yep. Yeah, and and, and uh, so when you see the points that were given up by Clemson, and don't forget for those who think that that uh, you know they had to tie us to get into overtime, uh, even despite all that, you know um, the the greatest defense coordinator in all of college football is Brent Venables, and and uh, you know even as great as he is. You know, when you're down three of your heart of your defense, man, it's, it's tough to uh, pull off a win uh, in South Bend, Indiana. Yeah, tough. definitely a tough place to play. You had a lot of injuries. So what what do you see for this game? Is this, is this Clemson? And I know I'm taking biases out of the side because Bags picks Clemson every week, even when they're not playing to win. I know you know the team well. So do you do you see them willing, winning this game by 10 or more points? Is that spread accurate? Do you think it's going to be a nail-biter? You definitely watched the first game. Where do you see this netting out? Platt, I think you uh, – you, you, great question. I'll share with you. I think that uh, I think that the point spread is probably dead on. I mean, how often is Vegas really that far off anyway? Uh, but um, I think it's going to be about – I mean, like bags, I'm biased to the hilt. But I think uh, if I try to take out that bias hat as much as possible, I still think we're looking at a two-touchdown win by the Tigers. 
I think a couple things there. Just the fact that um, you know, your bags hit, hit on something very important. You got nine guys who may have five ACC championship rings. All these guys have been there, and there's a value to it. Whether we're talking professional sports or college sports or high school sports, when when that that air of having been there and that it's you know business as usual, I think it plays in. Something that I'm going to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because I, I focused on the defense that was missing uh, in that first game. But one of the things that I think um, is great a game is um, is DJ Uyunglele. Can you say that five times? Um, as, as good of a game as he had, <laughs> throwing for over 420 yards against Notre Dame. One of the things that I think is missing where where Trevor is so good is the run pass options that he knows how to make the reads a little bit better than uh, DJ does at this time, which really is what opens up um, Travis Etienne to have some of the um, the electrifying, um, you know, 50, 60, 70-yard runs. And so he didn't have one of those against against Notre Dame last time. And I think you're going to see Travis Etienne end up being the difference in the game for two reasons. Um, it's going to be because of the way Trevor reads the defense and reads what's open. And secondly, the way that he can catch the ball out of the backfield with Trevor throwing the ball. So forgive my long-winded answer, but I think Travis Etienne, I think he's going to uh, redeem himself from a relatively um, um, soft-spoken game in South Bend to where he's going to be roaring like a tiger. Uh, in Charlotte. I like the way you say that, uh, Bubba. ETN, I know he's a favorite of yours because you told me a few weeks ago when when there was bad weather and I said, are we going to play Bubba? And he said, ETN's going to run all day, baby. And, uh, you know, he's, you know, that's why he's the all-time leader in, in yards at the school. Now, all ACC, actually. Now, I had heard, or I'm sorry, I read that ETN took a shot to the knee in that Notre Dame game. And he wasn't really himself the last few weeks. I hope there's, um, I hope that he can probably, you know, come back from from that small injury that really no one knew about. But I feel like him and Trevor, they're kind of, you know, joined at the hip. You know, they're going to go to the first round of the NFL. You know, they want to go out on top. I agree with your analysis of, of of ETN being a being a big part of this. I also, I also think Trevor is so comfortable that the time off is not going to hurt him. Like uh, like, like you said, it's what, six straight ACC championships. I think playing in Charlotte, where Notre Dame has never been this ACC champion, we've also really never played many close games in this game. And Platt, I'll tell you, most of the ACC championship games, the most comfortable to watch because they haven't been nail biters. This one, I think, may be a little different, but I agree with you. I think they're I think they're going to win by between ten and fifteen points. And I also heard that Ross is doing well, and he might be back um, in a couple weeks, probably maybe for the January first game. Is there any update on Ross's uh, status? So that's interesting. So I, I don't know how many of y'all heard Chris Fowler was talking about that. I'm trying to think of which game he was announcing and said that. And there were a bunch of Clemson fans who, who um, really uh, had their interest peaked because it, it's crazy. I was watching um, uh, a highlight of, of Justin Ross from two years ago against Notre Dame in the Cotton Bowl. And my goodness, uh, quite possibly the best freshman wideout I've ever seen in person. Um, wow. you know, maybe a Julio Jones or somebody like that would, 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 it would be, be better. But, but I can't think of more than one or two off the top of my head. But my understanding, back is that that was 
kind of not really true. Um, so, I, and in today's world, you know, you don't really hear um, coaches be completely transparent uh, or, or, or staff being transparent about who's available to play or who's not. But my understanding was that that was not um, uh, a true statement by, by Fowler. So, if, it, if, if he were to play at any game, even as a decoy, I think he would be – it would make a, a world of difference. I, I just – based on the injury – well, not just an injury, but the, the issue that he has with his back, I just don't see it happening. So, Bubba, appreciate that update. Question for you. So, we're up north. We're surrounded. You know, we have a lot of Jets fans up here. And all they're hearing about is Trevor Lawrence, which is a great thing, aside from the fact that they're probably going to go 0-16. Tell a New York Jet fan what they're getting in Trevor Lawrence, because all they hear is, well, Trevor Lawrence is the next great quarterback. What are they getting in Trevor Lawrence if they get the one and if he goes to the Jets? Jets fans, I think Coach Sweeney, um, you know, three years ago when I was at, uh, at the, the signing day event, which unfortunately the, the, you know, Coach Sweeney usually has a pretty amazing signing day event at the, the, football op, the, the, um, the football op center there on campus, which is an amazing facility. But uh, one of the things that has always stood out to me, and he reiterated it last, uh, last week in an interview, was that um, Trevor, he said, was the least high-maintenance recruit he's ever had that there were times when it sounded like Georgia was, was banging on the door to try to get back into the recruiting of him. And, and, uh, the coaching staff would call and he'd say, no, I'm good coach. I'm, I'm good. And, you know, I, I can tell you, uh, Platt, I, I don't know you, but, but bags and I, if we would have been the, the guy that, um, that Trevor is, I got a feeling we wouldn't be acting so humble back during our days walking around the <laughs> campus if we had that kind of talent. So, so when you ask about what debt fans had to look forward to, I think that speaks oh, – and, and then going back, Coach Sweeney said just last week, he said that um, Trevor's his least high-maintenance player that he's got. He's just – you know, he's he, he's focused on what the job is at hand. He's not anybody that's going to cause distractions. And so those are intangibles. Uh, we know what the tangibles are. He's, he's got an arm like, like few ever, a release like few ever. He's got wheels that are much faster than people think. And he's got the ability to make the smart decision on a dime. Um, I think something that uh, folks need to keep in mind is that um, uh, if you're a Jets fan, is you're going to get someone who's going to come up there in, in in the you know the world's biggest stage, New York City or, or Jersey, but still New York City. You're going to have uh, a guy who is not going to be a distraction. Bubba, he's in the. Uh, I'm sitting at the New York Post. Uh, just yesterday's New York Post had two pictures of Trevor, one in an orange uniform about this week's game, and they put him in a Jet uniform at least once a week. It's all they talk about on the radio. It's amazing. I try to tell my Jet fans how special he is. I mean, you see it on TV. You see what a great kid he is. Uh, I really hope – it's not a really a big deal to me, but I really hope he has a great game this Saturday and, and goes to New York and maybe potentially wins a Heisman. Probably isn't going to happen, but – you know, COVID played a part in that, but uh, it, he's a pleasure to have. And just like we had Eli up here for so long, and he was such a great kid. He won two Super Bowls. I imagine Clemson, we were going to miss Trevor so much. You know, DJ's looking good, and we reload every year as a as the recruiting classes. It's four or five stars every year now, and it's, it's great. But this kid is just a fresh air. 
Some some people make fun of his hair. I don't care. But he is just a class act on and off the field. And that is what this organization needs. Because me and Platt, before you got on, we were we bashed the Jets a little bit like we do every week. <laughs> but but I'll tell you, Bubba, the end of the Raider Jets game a couple weeks ago, when the Jets gave up pretty much a 50-yard bomb to end the game, the Jet fans blew up our phones because they were still in the hunt, and Jacksonville has one win. So it's really uh, interesting how Jet fans are completely enamored by this guy. He's a generational quarterback, and all they're talking now is, all right, we got to lose a couple more, and hopefully the Jaguars win. And that's what it's like every week, and that's how special this kid is. My last question for you. Yeah, Platt, 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 Platt might have one for you. I appreciate the time again. What did you think? And I, I on this show, me and Platt call the Big Ten the Little Ten. And as you know, Bubba, we're 4-0 against Ohio State time. I was a little bit disgusted about what they pulled. You saw it coming. They are one of the best four teams. So with the eye test, they belong there. But what did you think about the Big Ten pulling that stunt? Well, I think it's uh, it's par for the course. And the re- reason I say that is if you go back, um, you know, the beginning of the year, let's be honest, the Big Ten, when they when they said no football, they they truly believed that the ACC, the SEC, the Big 12, and everybody was going to follow suit because they felt like they're the, you know, the, um, you know, the, the gorilla on the, on the building. You know, they feel like they're the ones who lead the charge. And I think it was, A, an eye-opener to them. But I also say, you know, Clemson is, was, I think, either the first or one of only two or three schools that were able to host every single game that was uh, planned on campus. Um, the ACC built in extra weeks um, for, um, uh, for how they were going to do things so that there could be some makeup games. And then further, um, you know, one of the things that I can't believe hasn't made more, more mention was that you know, the, and we're not going to call out a student athlete uh, because of something their parents might have, might do, but, you know, the, the commissioner for the Big Ten, his son is a star tight end for Mississippi State, and he never opted out or never had planned to opt out that I understand. So what, if it was truly about the safety of the student athletes, you would have thought that that would have, you know, come into play. Um, but I think it, it truly was that they, they felt that everybody would follow suit. Now, the, the next piece I would say to that is um, we've seen we've seen uh, Ohio State uh, stump their toe at late in the season when they've got you know a, a season not completed and, and lost games that they had double digit favorites of. So the reason I have an issue with them continuing to be in the top four of the playoffs, who cares if they play in the Big Ten championship? But my issue is this: look at Clemson's game against Boston College. You know. That Boston College came in motivated. Yeah, we were a you know twenty point, twenty four point favorite, whatever you want to say. We get down by eighteen. It it takes the greatest comeback in Death Valley history for us to win that game. Every single game, and and they may lose to Northwestern this weekend. You can't count any game as a win. That's the reason they play them. Because if we ever get to a point where does it matter if we even play it? Why play it? You know, I heard you guys last week were talking about. You know, the 72 Dolphins, you know, the reason that they, they put that champagne on ice is because in any given week, somebody could, uh, could win them all, but somebody could, uh, lose one. So my issue with, with, uh, Ohio State is five games, six games. 
is that really truly um, the you know what you need from a sample size to determine if they can win week in and week out? And by the way, the wins that they have outside of Indiana are against some pretty garbage competition. You're absolutely right, Bubba. And I got to tell you, that's why we call him the Little Ten. Well, Bubba, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Platt as well. Thank you so uh, much. It was, it, yeah, it was a joy to have you on. And I'd like you to be our Wolverine Clemson reporter. And maybe we can uh, talk before the January 1st game and get you back on and talk a little more Clemson football. How about that? Guys, you can call me anytime. I'm happy to be uh, be on with uh, with two such esteemed gentlemen from the north. But uh, right now, I'm about to bundle up because it is 48 degrees and rainy here. I mean, winter just is coming and kicking our tails down here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Well, Bubba, thanks so much, man. Have a great day and uh, all the best, everybody down there. All right, man. I'll see you. All right. Take care.